Hello everyone, this is Riddell from Behold the Connection. You can find me at beholdtheconnection.podia.com, P-O-D-I-A. You can also just simply Google Behold the Connection. What's going to come up, most likely, well, maybe my Instagram, I'm very active on there. I try to put out some posts that are nuggets of advice, uh, I story and share bits of my life. But mostly what's going to come up is my parenting course. And I like to talk about it briefly on every podcast. It actually, I'm doing an end of summer sale right now for 10% off using the coupon code podcast. I like to keep things simple. So if you've been thinking about getting this truly, truly life-changing parenting course, what it is, now's the time to do it. What it is, is it's an audio course with over 20 PDFs of visuals and worksheets. So the two tie together. The idea with the audio part is parents are busy. My vision is that you can listen on the go or download them to a Dropbox and listen on the go. I want I want the course to be very consumable and that's why it is audible, audio. I don't know which word I'm, I should be saying, audio, audible. Anyways, it's, it is a game changer. It's going to change your perspective. It's going to grow your emotional maturity. It's going to educate you on your brain and how how so much of how our kids act and how we act can be within our control and can be changed and how to have your own back as a parent. I really think that every parent should be given this as a gift as they leave the hospital. Okay, today I want to talk to you about telling our brains that, oh well, when we're feeling disappointed or annoyed at someone else. So this podcast came to my mind when just recently on a trip with my family, I <laughs> I found myself in a familiar loop and I remembered how powerful Oh Well is for my brain. So I'm a great planner for our family on these trips. I handle a lot of the things. I hand off a certain amount of things to my husband and um, often there is failure on his part with something. And it's always something small and inconsequential. Not always. One time it was consequential and was a hiccup. But it's often something small. And I, and yet, because I've done so much of the work, because I'm familiar with it and I'm happy to do it, and I'm truly not resentful on the amount of packing I do. I'm kind of the expert in it. But I can feel a little like, are you kidding me? You know? the little list you had and something important got forgotten or not important. So what is underneath that is disappointment or unmet expectations. And this can happen more often when people are out of a routine. So this happens for us when we're traveling, this this little dance of, did you really forget that? You know, that disappointment that I'll feel. When, and I'll tend to think, I mean, I wrote a list and everything, you know, <laughs> I set you up for success. So first thing is people should be allowed to be humans in relationships, right? And humans make mistakes and humans get overwhelmed and humans think they got that thing and put it in the van and yet they didn't. And the other side of that is humans are allowed to feel disappointed. There's no shame in disappointment. So let me expand on this. I like to answer my brain with, so what? when things like this happen. So I have found great power in so what or oh well. Those two sentences go 
really well with my brain. You might need to find ones of your own. But what didn't work for me was, oh, it's no big deal or people forget things. My brain really rejected those because I <laughs> I really don't tend to forget things. And so it's not that relatable to me to understand how people can forget things. I mean, this is the point of a list, is it not? So my brain would push back against that. So I've really settled very nicely on, oh, well, and so what? It, it feels like, okay, fine, we're going to be fine. But it doesn't feel dismissive of my feelings of frustration or a little bit disappointment. The truth of the matter is that we move through our feelings by feeling them. And so I choose words that will move me through the feeling without um, not acknowledging it. So saying something like, oh, it's not a big deal. That's sort of not acknowledging it. In that moment to me, I am frustrated or disappointed. But I want to choose words or a sentence that my brain can loop on instead of spinning in this always happens. What more could I, you know, we know this spin, you know, this spin, you have it with someone in your life, a child, a marriage, a friend, a boss. So I try to find words that work for my brain. Our feelings come from our thoughts. So while I'm feeling the disappointment, I can feel it in my body. Um, I find it, I think of what color it is, how it feels, is it vibrating fast or slow, is it hot or cold? I find it in my body, I breathe through it, but then I do consciously choose sentences for my brain that propel me to the place I want to be. And really, I've had a lot of success with, oh, well, and so what? Because the truth is, oh, well, is like, oh, it happened which is acknowledging my annoyance and, oh, well, you know, these things happen. So what tells my brain, I hear you. I know that this is frustrating and this person forgets things a lot. So what? Like, really, so what? What is going to come of it? You know, (laughs) so what? So we can feel the feelings in our body. We can breathe through them. We can say things to ourselves like, I am feeling frustration. And then we can choose how we act. Okay, there's the difference. We don't want to act on our feelings. We want to act on our conscious thoughts. You see the difference there? That's not dismissing the feelings. You are going to feel those feelings. The only way through feelings, the only way to get, to truly not just become toxic with your feelings is through them. But you don't want to act from that place. And so you need the conscious thought. Your brain will offer you all kinds of drama about any situation in life. This always happens. It's just the worst. Your brain really likes to make a big deal out of things. And so when I say, oh, well, or so what, it sort of puts a dead end in there for me to the ruminating. Because like I said previously, honestly, for most most things in life, so what? Oh, well, life goes on. I like the people around me to be able to be humans that are allowed to make mistakes. And I don't need to shove it in their face. Though I have, I will be honest. I have two beliefs about marriage. And I want to use this as an example because you can, I think sometimes we forget that we can have more than one belief about a person or, or a relationship at a time. Think about this with that child that frustrates you or whomever, but 
I have two beliefs about marriage at the same time. And one is that um, my marriage is easy and that being married to Adam is fun. And that's the truth. And the other belief that I have is that sometimes I need to work on that relationship or the connection. Both of those things are true. Sometimes it needs a little work. And most of the time, I honestly find it easy. So I think we sometimes teeter-totter between, oh, this is so hard. Ours is the worst or whatever. We teeter-totter between that and, oh, this is the best marriage, da-da-da-da-da. We can believe both things. We can believe that we need to work on this. And we can also believe that we have a wonderful marriage. So I like to hold two beliefs at the same time. And I don't think we're taught a lot as kids how to do that. But we can both be frustrated with our child and look for their good and not, you know, condemn them for their weaknesses. Like, we sometimes get married thinking that the other person is just going to complete us and we have these expectations that they'll fulfill every desire. And we hold very tightly to this concept that of meeting our other half. And I've always fully rejected that. I believe that you need to come into a relationship as a full person, as full as you can be, and and that then from that place of being as emotionally mature and fulfilled and full, that then you are good at meeting your own needs. Where we get into trouble is when we have these manuals or manuscripts or Bibles on what our partner should do. What does a partner do? And often these come from our childhood. If your dad changed the oil in the van and checked the tires for your mom and all these things, you come into your relationship with a manual of this is what partners or husbands or wives do. And we don't know that that manual is there, but it is there in our subconscious. And it offers us thoughts all the darn day long about how our partner isn't that way. So the best thing we can do to have a successful relationship is to look at ways that we can meet our own needs instead of passing our needs off onto other people. And then what happens is we feel resentful when they don't do it perfectly according to the manual that we have in our mind for them. Unrealistic expectations. This does not mean that you can't have hopes and you can't articulate your desires. I believe in being a very clear communicator. This doesn't mean you can't have boundaries like, hey, yeah, that doesn't work for me. You know, don't talk to me that way. All of those things have. But truly, the more that you can emotionally grow yourself and meet your needs and find the things that you love and love to do, the better that your relationships will be. Okay, working on yourself is the best way to work on your marriage. That's the truth. I also want to say, because as soon as you get into the land of marriage, what comes up is divorce. And this is another area where I hold two thoughts at the same time. I believe that one thought is that divorce is necessary and best. And my other thought is that the divorce rate is far too high and it's disheartening. I hold both of those thoughts at the same time. I absolutely believe there's a time and place for divorce. I also believe that our society is struggling in all relationships because of trauma. Okay, so trauma often leads to uh, various types of addiction or poor coping mechanisms. Um, 
emotional or behavioral problems. Many of these things lead to secrecy and lies, which is not a connected relationship and it's emotional immaturity. Like I said, it's often from trauma or poor parenting models or abuse, which is trauma. So sometimes when you put all that soup together of two different people, you know, it sometimes just doesn't work. There's a lot going on there. Sometimes people are resistant to getting help uh, for their struggles. Uh, you know, when you make soup from scratch, sometimes it can be really good and sometimes it can't be saved. Have you ever been there where you just keep adding more to the soup? You know, you're making this homemade soup. You've put so much in it and you're like, it's not quite right. So you're adding more seasonings, more things. Sometimes it's getting worse. You toss in the bay leaf because you're like, well, a bay leaf saves every soup. And even the bay leaf doesn't help. That can happen sometimes. It really can. I think the greatest gift that we can give to the next generation, and I'll plug my parenting course here because I'm trying to educate parents on how to grow emotionally and grow their brains so that they can teach this to their children. The greatest gift we can give the next generation is how to feel and process their feelings, how to take accountability for their lives instead of getting in that shame and blame cycle. Until we can provide as trauma-free childhoods as possible, we are going to struggle as a human race in our relationships. So how do we do this? Well, you got to buy my course. No, (laughs) really, we need to teach kids how to feel and process their feelings. We need to be open to their feelings instead of shutting them down. We need to do this through empathy, connection, compassion, brain rewiring, teaching our kids that their thoughts drive their feelings, you know? This is all within reach for the, this next generation. I'm going to add to, to the end of this, that this advice is not personal therapy and that if you are in abusive, abusive marriage, that I would like you to reach out to your nearest mental health professional and to make a safety plan and a financial plan. And my advice is to leave. An abusive person has a lot of trauma to process. Uh, there can be a lot of personality disorders at play. The fact is there's a lot of growth to do before they can have a safe and sustainable marriage. So if you are listening to this and if you are in a cycle of abuse and being abused, reach out to a mental health professional. And if you were receiving counseling from me, except in a few, very few rare situations, my advice would be that you need to build a new life and move on. Okay, so that is a blanket statement to do with what you will. But again, you need to reach out to a local mental health professional. Um, I hope that this podcast gave you a few things to think about in terms of being a bit more chill when your partner disappoints you or doesn't live up to your expectations or somehow misses things on your very well-written list. (laughs) Sometimes we can give the people in our life some grace. We can do so what and oh well. Doesn't that just feel good? Doesn't it feel good if someone does that for you where you can see the disappointment in their eyes and they're like, oh well, or so what? Or maybe they're a bit frustrated, but then they come back with, oh, oh, well, feels good, right? And it's within our reach to offer that to the people in our lives instead of letting our brains build up a big drama around it all. Be well. Please share this podcast with your friends. You can do that simply by screenshotting it and adding it to your Facebook status or Instagram stories or texting a couple friends. 
I really appreciate you here and listening. The growth of the podcast has really been outstanding to me, and it's all because of you guys. You're sharing, you're consuming of it, and I really, really value showing up here. And and thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. Have a wonderful week. Bye.